A rich tradition. College football podcast is now live. Hello and welcome to a rich tradition college football podcast. I'm Spencer Van Horn. He's Robbie Stellenpole. Two friends, one love, and that is college football. Week 10 is here and it is spilling over the edges with uh, big games this week, Robbo. Yeah, man. Uh, we we actually aren't going to probably cover any news based stuff because there are so many games. But I have a really, I have a really important question for you, Spencer. I don't know if I'm going to have an answer for you. If you were trick or treating, mm. what are the three candies you must have in your bag at the end of the night? At the end of the night, the three must haves are Reese's and Twix for sure. Okay, and then. Peanut M&M's would be one, but I'm also would be really big. I mean, obviously, Snickers would have to be there, knowing that it would be. Uh, I'm not really. Yeah, it's the, mo- it's, the mo- it's the most basic candy ever. <laughs> it's like right, pumpkin right. spice around ho- around around the around the fall. Right. So peanut M&M's would be another one. And then also I really enjoy a good baby Ruth. Oh, yeah. Baby Ruth is underrated. I like a baby Ruth a lot. So I, I don't think I'm super. uh fancy here i think i'm pretty pretty straightforward with the twix the reese's and i like a good baby ruth okay what about what what say you there pal um uh okay so um reese cups but not basic reese cups i want any themed reese cup meaning the eggs the pumpkins the christmas trees the uh, footballs, any of those themed Reese cups is what I want. They, they, for some reason, they just taste way better. I don't know okay. what it is, but they just do. Okay, I like um, the little. I like the little ones. I could see the, that the miniature ones. Yeah, yeah. But any, I mean, peanut butter and chocolate can't go yeah. wrong. So Absolutely. really and truly, in whatever um, form it comes, I'm ready to go. Number two, specifically, uh. Lifesaver, but I want Lifesaver gummies. Okay. I want a little, those are my favorite gummies. I I can make a strong argument. They are the best gummies. Okay. Um, love them, love them so much. And then lastly, a little, uh, I don't know if you know what these are. So, um, a little, a little different cow tails. Yep. I'm familiar with cow tails. Yep. They, they are one of my favorite candies ever. I, still I really enjoy a um, banana flavored Laffy Taffy. Laffy Taffy, yeah, I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I, I'm not the biggest fan of uh, of banana flavor stuff, but yes, I know what you're talking about. Yes, and and it would be, I would love to have like one. I don't need a lot because Taffy's annoying. But yes. <laughs> like if yeah. you could just put it in your mouth and kind of like it's chew or something, like a never like any gobstopper. Yeah, and just t- okay. tuck it away in your lip. And have it for the day or whatever that mm-hmm. feels kind of good because no, I don't want anything to do with it in terms of like trying to chew it. That would not be that's not the way I would eat it. Okay, I'm here for milk it. duds are the same way. Once you get all the chocolate off of a milk dud, you just have to tuck it and let it. Are you, are you a milk dud dissolve. guy? So I, it's kind of back to the Laffy Taffy thing of like. This I like this, but I don't like a ton of it. I'm not gonna just go nonstop on yeah. milk duds because again, it's just that gooiness, that tackiness mm-hmm. that can get stuck in the teeth, and it can get it can become annoying. So I need yeah. it. I like it, but I need it in uh, you know just once every now and again. Um. Also, the big question of the day: Do you like candy corn? I'm fine with candy corn. I know everybody seems to hate candy corn, and I'm fine with it. I, I, I hate, do not I, mind I candy, candy corn. corn. I hate it. I think it's gross. I think it tastes like wax. Might as well put a wick on it and sing happy birthday to somebody. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> no, I don't but, mind it. Now, but, I don't but, seek it out. I don't say to myself, man, I need to go get some candy corn. Yeah. Just, but yeah, I don't even, mind it. If somebody's got it. Pumpkin, even the pumpkin ones. I'm just like, oh, that's gross. Um, yeah. Okay. All right, cool. All right, no, enough of that important stuff. 
let's get to the you know the lower level the things bolts of it this weekend yeah let's get into the nuts bolts spencer spencer i mean in theory this i mean this could be this week and next week, I think, because there's a couple of games sprinkled there, this could determine a, this could determine some conferences. Mm-hmm. Like it really could. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna go through a lot of them. I know that you and I don't have our normal setup, um, so we're just gonna. Nope, just gonna been kinda, a weird week. Yeah, it, dude, tell me about. Yeah, it's yes, it's been very weird. Um, but uh, let's go ahead and start off with. Uh, you know, I caught, I kind of got us through this. If you if you think I missed something, let me know. Um, okay. Spencer, I'm going to start off with one that you probably didn't think I was going to throw at us, but Clemson or Notre Dame at Clemson. Do you, do you have a whole lot to say here? Just, I think Clemson's going to win. What, what tells you that Clemson offense has got enough to get away or get around that Notre Dame defense? It It's not that it's the, this, I don't believe that Clemson is this bad. It's it's really about that. It's also for for four years now prior to this year, Clemson has owned Sam Hartman. And I I know that Sam Hartman has a better team around him. He definitely has better defense, probably has better weapons. I just don't know. I just I've seen Notre Dame struggle too much this year against good defenses. That's fair. Let me ask you this. Is Dabo Sweeney focused? Because he's been ranting and raving at people yeah. who don't normally rant and rave in. He's He has been very much like bothered by all of the things mm-hmm. that are coming with a uh, championship coach going four and four. He's been yeah. very much bothered with it. No. Part of me says, yeah. I mean, is he going to be, is he distracted? Is he coaching for the right reasons? Mm. Or you know, that's is he a, just kind of frustrated? Mm-hmm. Part of me is just going in the Notre Dame direction, just because I can see what you're saying. Clemson's got their backs up against the wall, and they've got to come out swinging. And they usually do well. Now that I'm talking myself through it a little bit more, they usually do well. Dabo has done well when he is. It is him against the world. That's really only when he's done well when everybody's doubting. So. You you could be you you could be right. Clemson could make a a, a pretty big upset here. I you know, I just I don't know, Spencer. Just something doesn't feel right. Like also the number there. Like uh, and again, we I know we you we don't pick based off the number, but Vegas has. But that's only, an indication, yeah. But it's only a three point game. Yeah, in Notre Dame's just with, favor. Just with everything that's going on, with like everything you said, like you just would think. That it would be worse than that, you know. And the the fact that it's not, I just I think again, like my biggest my biggest thing is Clemson rarely loses at home, even though we've seen them lose this year at home. But their backs are against the wall, and I just don't know if I I could just see a world where Sam Hartman kind of it, it's kind of like Louisville, where he's getting hit and it's like PTSD for him, you know. Mm-hmm. And he just can't connect on he can't connect on these routes and and I, I just I I'll yeah I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Clemson but and I know that that's probably surprising for a lot of people but I just I just don't think it's gonna I just don't think it's gonna be as easy peasy as as many think yeah and I I, I believe too that it won't be easy I don't think Duke's gonna, or Clemson's gonna get splattered here. But I do believe that here against some better teams, they're still stopping the run pretty well. They gave up a good little bit to Notre Dame, or excuse me, to Miami. And that's all Notre Dame wants to do is run the ball. Almost to their detriment, they want to run the football and keep the ball, in in terms of detriment, keep the ball out of Sam Hartman's hands. Mm -hmm. But if they come out here dedicated to the run and really get some stuff going against against Clemson up front, that could be the edge there and, and let Sam Hartman work off of that, even though they've not quite done that to the degree that I think they should. Either way, um, running the football could be a big key here for Notre Dame getting a win. I'll yeah. take uh, I'll take Notre, Notre Dame. Okay. I'm probably going to end up looking like an idiot in that one, but it's okay. Um, well, nothing new. 
<laughs> you, love you, pal. Yeah, love you too, buddy. Um, all right, Washington at USC. Ooh. Another weird line. There's a lot of weird lines here this week, and that's the theme. Okay, Washington at USC, Spencer. I, I'll let you start. Washington. Write it down. No, no I question. Even, I, I don't even. I. What's his? Uh, Caleb Williams doesn't play well against great teams. Other good teams. I think Washington has enough of a pulse on defense. It might be fifty to forty-nine, something like that. But I think Washington can do enough defensively. They were right there in the thick of it with Oregon, and they really made Oregon work for a lot offensively, especially early on. Um, so I'm sure USC will get on some scoring drives. But <laughs> you, you think? Does anybody in the country really think what, uh, USC is going to be stopping Michael Penix and the rest of that offense? I mean, Utah went off on that yeah. defense. You know, it, it just feels like, is that going to change? Because not only do we have this season as a reference point, but we also have all of Lincoln Riley's career and all of this, all of these other games with Lincoln Riley plus Alex Grinch, and none of it's been good. They've had maybe moments in games. They've had interceptions, okay? Turnovers last year, that was kind of the bright spot for that defense, but I just don't see how, I don't see where they're stopping Michael Penix, do does that has that offense been struggling that I haven't seen? Not that I'm I'm not asking that to you like you're yeah. saying something, but just the only other thing I can think is has Washington been struggling that I haven't noticed? No, no, they haven't. I I just well, I mean, actually, to be honest, the last two games they have Arizona State they only won fifteen to seven in Sanford forty two thirty three. I. I, I'm pick, I'm picking Washington like you. I just want to say that this is another weird line where it's only three for the number five team in the country playing a seven and two team, and and I, that just that just catches my eye. We know like Washington or USC has a like if if USC let's just say has a terrible uh, defense, Washington has a mediocre defense. And Caleb Williams is is incredible. I I just I don't know Spencer. I, maybe maybe I am overthinking a little bit, but just something tells me that this game is going to be really freaking close. Oh yeah, I imagine it being close, or I can see it being close for sure. Yeah, uh, or Washington's given up 500 yards of total offense, one, two, and then 495, so twice, and then 495 to Stanford in the last, you know, five or six games or whatever. So, yeah, no, it's not been great for them from a from a defensive standpoint, Washington. And if you get into a blinking contest with U.S.'s offense, then yeah, maybe. But Caleb, like I said, Caleb Williams didn't play great against Utah, and he didn't play great against no, you're uh, right. uh, Notre Dame. And but those all there's have... one other game that he's not played great in either this season. Well, but the games he hasn't played well in has been against decent defenses. That's fair. Um, all right. And also, Spencer, I want to I want to point this out, and I'm going to try to remember to point this out with on most of these games. This Washington USC game is huge Pac-12 implications, and I would argue huge playoff implications. Sure. If Washington loses this game, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure the the, the Pac-12 will make the playoff. I don't think Washington can lose a game until they play Oregon again in the Pac-12 championship. If if the Pac-12 wants a team in the playoff. Yeah, if the Pac-12 is going to get one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. Um. Next so I'm game. taking Washington in this game. Same. Sam, I'm gonna yeah. take Washington. All right, Spencer. Um, let's uh, let's go on. Let's go on down south. Let's head over to to the Grove, and let's look at a noon kickoff: Texas A&M at Ole Miss. Another three point line. Mississippi State currently uh, the favorite. Which game are we? Oh, Mississippi. I'm sorry. 
Mississippi and Ole Miss, or Ole Miss and Texas A&M. What um, did I say? I thought you said Mississippi State there for a second. If, if I did, in my bad. Me. But... Nope, that's all right. So, yeah, Mississippi has the three-point line, interesting enough. Ole Miss with that number 10 next to their name, interesting. It uh, feels like Ole Miss has not been getting a lot of credit lately. Like maybe p- some people think that there's a, as you like to call it, fake ID there, that Ole Miss is kind of walking around with um, maybe some overblown pockets. Yeah, right? yeah, I. And and here's why. Let's I'll pull it up real quick. Okay, so here are Ole Miss's wins. Are you ready for this, Spencer? Please. We've got seventy-three to seven Mercer. You know, impressive. All right. FCS Tulane school. Yep. Uh, Tulane thirty-seven to twenty against their backup quarterback. I was going to say, yep, backup quarterback. Yep. yep. You got got to include that. Georgia Tech forty-eight twenty-three. But I think that was the game. I think you agree. The second half of that game is where we realized, hey, Georgia Tech may not suck. Um. So, but anyway, they won forty-eight twenty-three. They play an actual defense. They get held to 10 points. Then the following week, they win and just absolute barn burner um, at home against LSU, where um, it was just like, hey, no, neither team wants to play defense. Then the following week, 27 to 20. <laughs> I'll leave, leave it now. For nostalgia? Do you just leave part it? Of, part of it is it's from the old job. Yeah. And I like to look down and say, yeah, I don't have to do that anymore. And so uh-huh. I leave it just for that. You know, and I then love it. two, I leave it now for when we record, just just so <laughs> it plays, just so you can hear it. It makes me laugh so hard. Okay, next Arkansas, twenty-seven to twenty, almost lost that game. Probably should have lost that game. Then the following week at Auburn, twenty-eight twenty-one, again could have lost that game. And then you know, then you got to play another FCS team in Vanderbilt and win thirty-three to seven. Spencer, I, I look at this. I look at this Ole Miss team. I don't find anything impressive about them. Well, and to the thing that's sticking out to me in the two good defenses that they played: fifty-eight percent pass completion against Alabama, and then fifty-eight point eight percent pass completion against Auburn. Ten out of uh, ten of seventeen. Not a not the most awful number in the history of the world, but certainly a number that says, "Hey, you know." Maybe we're not as big through the air as we want to be or as we would like to be. Um, And they've been really good on the ground for this second half of the season, for the most part, uh, hitting their stride in that area. Oh, Uh, hold on. Oh, okay. Well, then I'm – okay, so here's some news that just came out. Oh, actually, never mind. This is old. Never mind. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I hate whenever I click an article and it says like released two minutes ago, and it's it's not it's it's from September. <laughs> um, I, yeah, Spencer, I agree with you. I'm I kind of just want to look at the injury report real quick for Ole Miss. Yeah, and and A and M didn't stop Tennessee very well on the ground and lost that game. Yeah, and Joe Milton was only eleven of twenty two. I, part of me is leaning Ole Miss because I just feel more confident that they're competent on offense, mm-hmm. and Texas A&M still kind of concerns me on offense. Um, I, I just, um, and I, I'm not telling you that Ole Miss has a stellar defense. I just can Texas A&M get anything? Go- can they get enough going? Yeah, now, they I, did play well against South Carolina's not-so-great defense. So, I mean... <laughs> yeah, I just... I mean, Ole Miss's defense is 42nd in the country, giving up 21 points a game. Um, he, he, okay, here, here's what I'm going to say. I think I think you and I agree that Texas A&M has one of the best defensive lines in the country, correct? Yeah, they've, they've, they've held the run in check for the most part this season. 2.8 yards a carry, yes. Uh, and, I mean, they've been very good against the run. It was just Tennessee that got away from them, and that's really the only person that has outside of Louisiana Monroe. Okay. And I just, man, they're, uh, ooh, I know that I'm, 
I know I'm sounding crazy, Spencer, but I Jimbo always has one of these games. Jimbo always has one of these games where they win a game against a superior opponent or opponent who it may be ranked higher, but talent wins out because no one in the country outside of maybe two teams has a better roster than Texas A&M does. And they are more talented than Ole Miss. They are just not the best. They're not as good as well coached as Ole Miss is, even though I don't know how well coached Ole Miss really is. Texas A&M, I, th- I think this is the game. I think this is the game where Ole Miss, or I mean, I'm sorry, where A&M has that get you game. And I think A&M walks in with their superior defensive line, with their with, with their pass rush, with, uh, with with their wide receivers who are actually really good. Um, and and I think I think I think A and M goes into to the Grove. And because here's another thing, I know that many people may not think this, but possible look ahead spot with Georgia the next week. Uh, I don't know Texas A and M. Uh... A divisional game, I would imagine. I know, I know, I know, I know. I get it, I get it. But you're playing a five and three team; their season's over with. But and you've got pressure on you that you can't lose this game because if you lose this game, you're out of the SEC West hunt. And that's and that's that's part of it too. I don't know how. I don't know if Ole Miss is ready to handle the pressure of being on like they are literally on Alabama's tails. They cuz they are walking into this Saturday Spencer like oh actually I'm I'm glad I got this thread in my head now. Ole Miss is of the mindset we play at noon, Bama plays it at at 8 o'clock or 7 o'clock. If we win our game and Bama loses theirs, the SEC West is now up for grabs. Yeah, so that has them not looking ahead, right? I mean, that has them no, focused. No, no. On I, I, absolutely. The, the look ahead spots is not the right angle here, but the right angle is looking at can they handle the pressure of being on yeah. the on the heels of of Alabama? Yeah, here here's sort of a big live up to the moment kind of thing that maybe uh, Ole Miss has not done a great job of, and they haven't. They've they've been horrible. When it comes to this. And also, again, I'm going to give Jimbo credit. He always wins one game like this every year. Give me give me A&M with the upset, man. Okay, I'm going to take Ole Miss. A&M's total offensive performances the last three weeks, 306, 277, 354. Ole Miss's defensive performances the last three weeks, 286, 275, 229. The only point I'm trying to make there is that when Ole Miss has played not great offenses. They've come through and have continued to hold those offenses in check. They've not allowed bad offenses to get going against them, I guess is the point I'm making. So mm-hmm. I think if A&M continues to struggle offensively, they might have a hard time keeping up uh, with an Ole Miss team that might configure enough things out in the second half and win this one you know, 20-13 to 13 or something. Okay. So would you be crazy? Miss. I mean, would you would you be blown away though if <clears throat> if A and M did win? I wouldn't be blown away, but I'd be surprised just because I'm kind of expecting A and M to be bad on offense and not figure things out and just sort of putter along and same old same old from A and M. So I think I would be surprised. I wouldn't say blown away. Okay. <clears throat> excuse me. All right, excuse. Um, let's go to another game that <laughs> has a. Weird, weird uh, line on it. And, and and we can just be very quick on this. Oregon State at Colorado, they are only a 13, a 13 and a half point favorite, Spencer. And I know that I know that sounds small. I mean, that sounds big in itself, but with how bad Colorado has been lately and Oregon State has been playing so well, I just expected it to be a lot higher. Yeah, and that one feels like I don't know. I feel like Oregon State's in a lot of ways, and I could be wrong, but it feels like they are, we're just going to kind of bide our time. We're just going to kind of wait, and we're just going to kind of play really smart. We're going to do a lot of things really well. We're not going to make a bunch of mistakes, and then we're just going to capitalize on the ones that you make, and we're going to maybe you know more beat you in the second half of these games than – uh, you know, other points in the ball game. So it's not flashy, I guess, is what I'm getting. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think if you're not flashy, a lot of times that means that you just do a lot of things really well if you're not flashy and you're successful. You do a lot of things really well and you don't hurt yourself and it feels like that would be a good formula to get a win over uh, Colorado this weekend. Okay. I I mean, I I think we don't have to pick the game. I just wanted to mention it. Like, I think we're both picking Oregon State to win this game. Mm -hmm. Um, All right, Spencer. Okay. Uh, Let's go to one of the Big 12 games. Mm -hmm. (coughs) Excuse you. Yeah. Another weird line. Kansas State at Mm -hmm. Texas. Four point spread. Noon kickoff. This is the big noon, noon kickoff game. Spencer, start us off. How you want to talk about this game? Well, I think it's Malik Murphy, right? Like, was last week's game, did the 26 passes or whatever it was that they got out of him, and we said, and I said this last week, did they get enough out of him? Did they see enough of what works and what doesn't work, and how much of this game is going to be, okay, let's test these two or three other things, and then let's lock into what we do well. I don't think you have a whole lot of time for that. So I'm sure this week has been let's lock in on the things he does well and see if we can't build our game plan around that because I think Malik Murphy is the most important part of this whole thing. And I, I think Texas's defense will be really important because you got two quarterbacks to deal with there at Kansas State, sort of a kind of a Tim Tebow and uh, Chris Leak situation, maybe not so high profile uh, as Tim Tebow, but Avery Johnson comes in and is – a little bit of lightning to Tebow's thunder. And this guy seems to be able to, you know, he's a real jet kind of similar to the Kansas quarterback from this past weekend. Uh, Bean. the guy just seems, you know, a, a real electric. And then Will Howard can do just as much running for you as well. I think he's got four or five touchdowns and 5.6 yards of carry and he's playing really well. So, Malik Murphy, I think is going to be really important this weekend for Texas. How much can they get out of him? And then Texas defense dealing with uh, a two-headed quarterback situation there at Kansas State. And, of course, you know, if those guys are running as well as I've already stated, the actual running game there, the running backs, uh, are doing a really nice job for um, the power cat as well. Yeah, man. Um, I think think you're right. I I think this is – like Kansas State has been – I mean – Kansas State has been blowing out people lately, though, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's They've, been super impressive. Since their slip-up against Oklahoma State, 38-21 to Texas Tech, and then blow out against TCU, 41-3, to and shut down Houston, 41 to nothing. And, of course, Houston played Texas really close with their backup quarterback. So, you know, just that kind of common opponent-type thing really makes you want to lean in – uh, in Kansas State's uh, favor here, you do, and 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 also like maybe I, I the the problem is is that I I don't I don't know how much you can actually get on the ground against Texas. I think you could get them through the air. I don't know how well you can get them on the ground. And that could you be know? that's a good. I'm I'm glad you brought that up because Will Howard. This past weekend, or the throw game this past weekend for Kansas State was like 21 of 24. Like they did really well through the air, 87%. I don't think it was for like a massive amount of yards, but they did really well. Yes, just two, just 215, but it was enough to score three touchdowns and obviously three, three touchdowns on the ground as well. And it was enough to beat Houston. But yeah, I mean, if you can go 21 of 24 and get a 250 number, get a 235 number through the air. That could, you know, that that might go a long way to helping a victory here for for um, Kansas State. Do you think Kansas State can stop Texas? Well, I think that goes back to Malik Murphy and how important that's going to be. They've not stopped the run game very well, and so the the running back for Texas, they might not need Malik Murphy to be anything other than smart. And, you know, 18 passes, and here's what we're going to ask you to do. It's going to be the stuff that favors you and stuff that you're good at and comfortable with. And then it's going to be Jonathan Brooks the rest of the way. Because in Big 12 play, 
They've not stopped the run very well at all for Kansas State. 4.2, 4.4, 6.1 against Texas Tech, 5.1 against TCU, and then 4.3 against Houston. And, of course, those last two games, Houston and TCU only ran the ball a combined 48 times for 226 yards. Is that right? Yeah, so they didn't run it a whole lot, but when they did, they they did some things successfully. So I'd like to know – I'd like to see those numbers a little further just in case there's any sort of quarterback breaking out kind of stuff. But either way – Uh, uh, Kansas State has had a little bit of a hard time containing the ground game in whatever form. That could pose pose well for Jonathan Brooks. Go ahead. I I just think this might be the hardest game for me to pick of the weekend. Um, Do you have a confident lean? No. I'm leaning Kansas State because part of me just is a little bit of a fan and a little bit of a. I just I, I like I like the not the up and comer because Kansas State's yeah, been yeah. around for a long time and they've been very competitive in the conference for a long time, but in the reference to uh to not the reference but in the comparison to Texas yeah they they're not the big boy on the block uh, in comparison so. Part of me just wants to pick Kansas State from that standpoint as well. But Texas has done a – the one thing that seems to be different about this Texas team from others is they've battled and they've mm-hmm. won. Used mm-hmm. to, they would battle in games and they would do something stupid yeah. and lose it. Yeah, They've yeah. battled this year and they've won. Now, yeah, they lost the game against Oklahoma, but you go back and play that game again and Texas did everything from a numbers standpoint in that game to give themselves a chance to win. So – part of you feels good about Texas absorbing a couple of punches to the mouth and then figuring some things out, battling, battling, and pick up a win. So I want to lean, I want to lean Kansas State, but that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, it's the right lean. Yeah, I... This game also has huge implications. Mm-hmm. For the for the conference, if Texas loses this game, I also think that the Big Twelve is out of the playoff the playoff picture. Um, man, Kansas State loves playing spoiler too, you know. Like they just love beating the crap out of the like they'll they'll lose they'll lose to Iowa State and they'll lose they'll lose to you know lose to a Wyoming you know in a in a season. But they're going to beat the best team in their conference at least once that season. You know, one of the best teams in the conference. Um, Here's another thing that's interesting. Okay. Um, Texas's defense gave up five yards a carry to Kansas on 25 attempts. Yeah. And they gave up 4.7 yards a carry to Oklahoma on 43 attempts. So two teams that do really want to run the football and I mean they beat Kansas 40 to 14 but of course that was a game for a little while there with Kansas. And 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 the Kansas State running game and I know you know it, it deserves plenty of credit. Avery Johnson 5.2 yards a carry and six touchdowns. Will Howard dude. has six what touchdowns. What a dude by the way, right? Yep. Will Howard has six touchdowns, 5.8 yards. Treshawn Ward 5.3 yards. And then DJ Giddens is leading the way at 6.2 yards on 116 carries. So, I mean, you got a four-headed rushing attack there from Kansas State and a quarterback in Will Howard that's got his legs under him again as a passer since the three interceptions against, I guess it was, Oklahoma State. And Texas might have, if, if they don't figure out what it was that Kansas and Oklahoma and even Wyoming did well against them on the ground, this will, this will be a game for sure. The, the line being at four is a reason. Texas doesn't stop the run very well against good teams, good rushing teams. This could go, um, give, give me Kansas State. I'm, I'm going to take them. I'm picking them. Same, same. You, you, yeah, you, you taught me into it. Yep. Yeah, hey, give me, I don't do that very often. I know. G- yeah, give me. You're welcome. Thank you. G- I mean, well, I mean, only if you're right. Um, give me. Oh, you're right. G- g- give me, give me Kansas State. 
you're, you're right. The, the, the rushing attack is, is brutal for Kansas State, and Texas has had trouble the last few weeks stopping the run. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay. Um, Spencer, next, let's go to the other Big 12 game of the night, 3.30. The last bedlam that we'll see potentially for a very long time. Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. This is going to be the easiest pick for me of the night. I'm taking Gordon. He's going to run. He's going to run for another like three thousand yards on another team. Oklahoma is fake ID, and they're going to lose. Give me Oklahoma State to win the final bedlam match of the of the Big 12's tenure. So ever since Adrian Peterson. And obviously going back to Mike Leach as well, but this that came to my knowledge, that came later. But ever since Adrian Peterson, I've always had a little thing for Oklahoma. Um in terms of him as a player and always liking him and the mm-hmm. and the Statue of Liberty always kind of stung a little bit because I was like, Oh man, I was hoping for AP to finish out his career on a strong note. So I've always kind of had a thing for Oklahoma. And I would love uh, to pick them here, and part of me would just love it because it's it's Oklahoma State, and I don't always trust Mike Gundy in these big games. I feel like he's had a hard time getting over that hurdle. He doesn't have a great success record against Oklahoma, which we've noted plenty of times before in the past. I totally understand what you mean when you say fake ID for uh, for Oklahoma. They're soft. They don't throw the ball downfield. They had their best game of the year against Oklahoma, Texas, and rightfully so. It was a great game. Dylan Gabriel played incredible. But when you look at what their offense actually does, it, I think like the numbers, like 60% of their passes come from behind the line of scrimmage, Spencer. They run screens. And Oklahoma State's defense has gotten increasingly better and better and better. And again, we we know the external motivation with it being the last bedlam. We know Oklahoma State's feelings towards Oklahoma leaving. It's not great. We know how Mike Gundy <laughs> feels about this game and how angry he. Is. I mean, he was very vocal about how angry and how he he about Oklahoma leaving. I, like, look, Stoops and Riley owned him. Brent Venables does not own him. It's fair. New new coaching tenure. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah, keep going. I'm sorry. No, no, no. That was all. No, that was all uh, Im- important and uh, very good uh, information. So I'm not picked against Oklahoma very often, Robbo. I'm not picked against them very often, especially in this game. Didn't we both pick them to beat Texas? Did we? No. I don't think I did. Unless you've got it written down there, because I'm not writing it down over here. <laughs> I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't have it written down over here. Um, give me Oklahoma State. Okay. I'll the mullets. The reason. Mullets coming. Yep, Oklahoma State's two games in a row here, doing a pretty good job against uh, the the pass game. They've done a pretty good job against it three out of the last four weeks. So we'll go with. Uh, We'll go with Oklahoma State. How does uh, how do the Sooners do against the ground game? Uh, not so hot when it's coming at them fast and hard. So yeah, Kansas stopped it, or Kansas ran ran wild over them last week for sure. Mm-hmm. I yeah, and and again another another uh, important game for the conference. I mean, the reason why I alluded to if Texas loses that game that the Big 12 is done is because I'm picking Oklahoma State to win this. I think Oklahoma's done. They're out of the playoff hunt after this. The Big 12 will still be up for grabs. Who knows who's going to be in that conference championship? But I think this weekend could potentially end end the Big 12's run for the playoff. Um, And that'll leave, you know, what, four conferences left? Yeah, it'll leave four conferences left. And we already talked about the Pac-12's you know, you know, weirdness of what, of what they've got going on. Um, all right, Spencer, two games left. Here's, here, here's the first of the two big ones. Another freaking three point spread though. LSU, Alabama. Mm-hmm. I I'll start off with this one. Um, I'll let you 
start us off for most of them. Spencer, a lot of people are making this out to be Milro versus Daniels. And I don't think that's what the game is. I do not think that is the equation that needs to be solved to figure out who's going to win this game. I really don't. I think I think what you have to look at is can Alabama, can their defense stop LSU's peripheral, perennial, sorry, perennial offense? I think that is the, I think, I, I don't think it's Milrow. Like, I'll get to Milrow in a minute. I, I think it's Daniels versus the Alabama defense because this is the number one scoring offense in the country. Number one. And when you look at their third in passing yards, their 14th in rushing yards, they they get after it, man, offensively. They, they do an incredible job of balance on this team. Um, Jaden Daniels, I, like, I don't, I don't know. I haven't looked it up, but I, I think that he probably should be the number one, number one for the Heisman Trophy right now, at least coming into this game. But can he go on the road and can he walk into Tuscaloosa and win? Like, you know, to to give the the, you know, the big question, can Jalen, can Jane Daniels or can Alabama's defense slow down or to a degree stop the LSU's offense? Yeah, and I think. A a big piece of this will be Milrose going to I know you're you're saying it's not the piece. Yeah, you can still but point I do it think, out. I'm, I'm, I right. just wanted to I, – I just don't think it's the battle of quarterbacks because I don't think they're on the same tier. Uh, right. That, that's and all so, I mean. you, and, and I think – right. It's a different – Milrow needs to be the best version of himself in this game. Mm-hmm. And that best version of himself is not going to be 500 yards and four touchdowns and no interceptions and, you know, 50, 50 attempts. The best version of himself is going to be you might have to get up to 30 attempts, 25 to 30 attempts, 250 to 300 yards. Yep. And no interceptions. You got to uh, be on the at least a couple of touchdowns. Yards. You got to be close to 300 yards. I just going to add he's got to be close to 300 yards for his for his for a peak performance. Keep going. And then you got to be really smart on the ground. Um, I think Milrow has been sacked a lot this year, which we've noted the offensive line has not been great. So his rushing, his net rushing yards is 142. But I'd love to see what his gained yards are. And if I can get to it quickly enough, I'll I'll comment. But the um, Milrow has got to be the best version of himself. And some of that just might be the fact that he's decisive. With the ground game and making those choices through the air, getting the explosive, getting enough explosive stuff, because I do believe this Alabama defense will be able to slow down the offense of LSU, at least at times. I think Jaden Daniels and his group will get going at some point, and they may only get going for a quarter and a half or two quarters, and that might be enough to win it. But if you can limit that, if you're Alabama, and I think that they can, where's Jalen Milrow to, to fill in? Where's he at to supplement? That complimentary football, if you if you want to call it that. Can he do enough to maximize whatever the defense is able to come up through? I do think that that will be um, really important for um, for Alabama. Can they, can they capitalize? Not only can Milrow himself play well, can they take advantage of the defensive backfield uh, as well, which plenty of reason to believe that they can do that. Uh, but yes, it's going to be very important for Alabama's defense as well. So also just to throw it out there, defensive tackle, the, the, the best player on LSU's defense this season, not Perkins, it's Makai Wingo. He's out for the rest of the season. LSU's cornerback who... Uh, LSU's cornerback Zai Alexander, who's there, uh, like he's top three in there uh, as a lead tackler. He's out for this game. That <sighs> they're really banged up. Like the the good players that LSU does have on defense is is hurt. Um, 
Spencer, I just I have this like feeling in the pit of my stomach. I said I think I said this like two weeks ago that this was going to happen, but I think Alabama. <laughs> I think I think we're about to see like Bama return, <laughs> like the the return of like not juggernaut Bama because they don't have the offense to do that. But I kind of just think like they're they're about to smack LSU around to prove that they're still the king of the SEC West because there are a okay. lot of there's a lot of people who are picking LSU to win this game. I mean, look, if L- if LSU had even like a sniff of a decent to good defense, I'm picking LSU with no problem whatsoever. But because I, I just think Jaden Daniels is that prolific. I think he's that good. I think he I think him and this offense are that good. I think they're going to get points, but I just don't think I can I can bank that Alabama's defense is going to get some stops, and and oh oh also oh a bit here's a big deal too, LSU's LSU's right tackle's injured and he's out for the game too. Like, like LSU just I think they're just too beat up, and Jaden Daniels I, I think Jaden Daniels will have to pull a Cam Newton or some kind of like miracle work to win this game, and I just don't see that happening against this very elite Alabama defense. Jalen Milrow has continued to get better every every week. No, he is not elite, and but he doesn't have to be. They're getting it done in other ways. No, they're not bullyballing it. They're kind of like doing this amalgamation of offense and defense, like of, of running and passing that we didn't really expect from them. Uh, you know, like forget the Georgia connections. Jermaine Burton, the last two or three games, has and Isaiah Bond has really come alive to become tar- main targets for this uh, for this kid. And you tell me that it's a night game at Tuscaloosa and LSU doesn't have their starting right tackle, their starting elite All American defensive tackle, and their starting right corner. Yeah, man, give me give me Saban, give me Alabama, and and we'll see them in we'll see them in Atlanta. You ain't get to say nothing else to me. Give give me Bama. I actually will be like I'm at the point right now where I'd be surprised if LSU wins this game. Wow! Like after talking to, talking this out with you, and thinking and being reminded of some of the things they've got going on, yeah, I'd be surprised if LSU wins that game. I like because it. because he, here's what here's something that LSU or here's something that Alabama does incredibly well. Yes, they give up sacks, but you know what they do great on defense. They get after the quarterback. I don't want to play there. <laughs> I want LSU to win because I think Georgia could beat LSU in the SEC championship. I, I don't want. I don't want to play Bama's defense. Uh, like as a Georgia fan, I do not want to play that pass rush and that defensive line and that and that front seven. Terry and Arnold is apparently going to be back this week. Who got injured? Uh, I think two weeks ago. He got a concussion. Like he's he's supposed to be back, man. This 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 Bama defense is about. I yeah, they're about to lock this stuff down. Yeah, they're gonna, they're probably going to give up. I don't know, probably about seventeen points to LSU. Uh, you know, before garbage time. But I I think Bama I think Bama handles business. Um, well, one thing before we move to our next game. Yep. Uh, Bud Elliott tweeted this out. Did you know that every offensive coordinator in the Big Ten West? would be fired this year if they had Bryant Ferentz's contract stipulations. Zero of the seven Big Ten West teams are averaging the needed 25 points per game. I don't know what that says exactly, but I just thought it was super interesting, and we discussed the Ferentz firing on our last episode. Something about that just feels interesting. I mean... Part part of it, I think... In, encourages this because you're you're the you're Iowa you've got one of the best defenses in the country over the last many many years and here you are in another conference where things aren't great and when was the last time you played for the Big Ten Championship yeah and some they of that has of, to be on the fact that, hey, we just don't do enough offensively. Yeah, I mean, with the firing of friends, like, you gotta... You gotta think they're gonna go after somebody who's at least competent on offense. 
you got to hope. Yeah. Um, th- that's interesting. I mean, it just also tells us that the Big Ten West also sucks. Um, Poop. Yeah, they do. Um, okay, Spencer. <sighs> big, big, big game of the weekend. Is it though? <laughs> that's that, that's what we call a, a setup. Okay. Um, in the business, I'm so proud of you. Thank you, Spencer. Missouri at Georgia. I'm gonna let you start us off here. Dogs, baby. Um, I think this will be the best. It's safe to say this is the best skill position player Georgia's played up to this point mm-hmm. in Luther Burton. This might be one of the better teams that we've played, all around teams that we've played, that Georgia has played up to this point. Right? Like, there's nobody else that's, we haven't played anybody who's quite firing on all cylinders the way Missouri has and is or capable of. So far this, so far this season, they they've been pretty solid all year long, throwing the ball sixty nine and a half percent through the air, four point two yards on the ground, sixteen touchdowns on the ground, uh, and seventeen touchdown passes through the air. Not necessarily prolific, but this seems like a team that's, I mean, right? That's pretty balanced. They're playing really well. Uh, this might be one of the biggest tests offensively, especially from, again, the Luther Burden perspective on things. So I think Georgia will have its hands full plenty of the time. But I just think after last week's whooping of Florida, last week's announcement of we don't have to have Brock Bowers on this offense, the announcement that Carson Beck is one of the best quarterbacks in the country, that this is a Georgia team that's hitting its stride and is ready to go and is building towards, you know, those things going all the way back to the Auburn game and whatever else, you know, we sat back and said, Oh, Oh no, what is this? And this trend continuing and this isn't good. And this isn't bad. And, you know, we also said, doesn't have to be fixed right now. Georgia's going to keep working on it. Kirby's going to keep working on it. Good coaching staffs will keep working on it as the weeks go by. And I believe Georgia's continued to do that. So I think Missouri's is a good team. Luther Burden's a good player. Uh, And even Brady Cook has been very good this year as well. I think Georgia's got more horses and Georgia's Georgia. So... (laughs) <laughs> it was nice knowing you George's George <laughs> um, Am I off base there Am no, I being no, disrespectful no, I don't try no, not to be disrespectful to Missouri They've played I, a hell of a season I'm I'm trying to Figure out Why How do, how do I word this I'm trying to figure out why we have put why people like okay Missouri belongs in the top twenty. All right, would you agree with that? Like ranking wise, yes, they played very well. They've got a win over Kansas State. Uh, They've got they had a close game against Louisiana State. They're only one loss on the season. Yes. Yep. Okay. You know, and they first of all, I I don't. I think we've seen this Missouri team be at its weakest at times on the road. And they have only had, Spencer, they've only had two true road games. Did you know that? We're in November, and they've only had two road games. Wow, I see that now. At Vanderbilt, at Kentucky. Wow. Wow. Yes. So, look. Going through their schedule, I'm not going to count like the the early non-con games. I'm not going to count Kansas State like 30 to 27. That's great. You beat them before they started implementing Avery Johnson. Okay, um, they they almost lose to Memphis 34-27. They go on the road and and look, Vandy was not going to beat them, but it's 38-21. They score they score to make that look better late. 
They have, you know, look, they have a barn burner against LSU, but as we've talked about numerous times, what is LSU really bad at? Defense. <laughs> and so, Connor, uh, like, Brady Cook, if I'm not mistaken, let me look at these stats real quick. Brady Cook, yeah. Brady Cook, Spencer, like, this, oh, yeah, that's right. I remember it. We, we They talked about how such a big deal it was that Brady Cook had not had gone all these consecutive passes without throwing an interception. Then he plays the worst def- the worst pass defense in the SEC, and he throws two interceptions. <laughs> and it's, you know why they threw interceptions, Spencer? Like, truly, you want to know why he threw those interceptions? Because I, re- I, I remember watching that game. It's because they had defensive backs that may not be play to pl- like every down to down they may not be elite but they're elite athletes and they're able to run with these wide receivers that they have and they can put their hands on them they can keep up with them and so he was not used to throwing in tight windows yeah he threw for 400 that's incredible i'm not belittling that at all they played really well but lsu was just the better team then they go up against kentucky and i'm gonna te- like i truly believe that kentucky just let the game get get away from them but Kentucky also had a 14-point lead and just forgot how to play offense from that point on. And it was ridiculous, like, how bad Devin Leary was um, after that first quarter. And then, they, you know, the South Carolina game is what it is. Spencer, except, except for wide receiver, where is this team elite? Where is this Missouri team elite? Because I can't quarterback the next closest spot. Closest spot. Okay, clo- closest. Sure, I- I'll give you closest. He he is throwing for seventy percent. Yep, throwing for seventy percent. One sixty nine attempt. Yeah, ten yards in attempt. But again, let's the Cody Schrader. Kids good on the ground. I do. I do like Schrader. I like how he runs. But again, let's look at these teams and how many of them have good – we'll just go from good to elite defenses. How many of them have he, have they played? None. Not a single one of them. Tyron Hooper is pretty good on defense. I mean – I'm not yeah, arguing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know. But like, but but did any of those defenses that you're looking at on their on their schedule? Did any of them would would you say any of those are actually? I can look it up really quick. I'll look up Kansas State because I think that's the only closest one that has a good defense. Uh, they did okay against Kansas State that day. They racked it up pretty good. Four thirty, six point seven yards of play, and they're fourteenth in the country in defense. That's the closest that you'll get. Is Kansas State fair enough? I I think again going back to the LSU comparison, Georgia has Georgia has the best DBs that this Missouri team will have seen. They will be able to run with these guys. I'm not saying Luther Burden's not going to get his. He's going to get some yards, and they'll probably get uh, you know I'll, they'll probably get about 17 points on Georgia. I don't know if that'll come early or come late. Okay. But I could easily see Missouri get this. But here's the thing, man. This defense has we have seen this so much. We have seen this so many times this year. Well, well even I said it. I said it, you know a couple weeks ago. Whenever we were whenever we were uh, recording, I, I said I got I got to find the quote real quick because I, I want to quote myself because I'm going to use this moving forward because there's a world where this where this UGA team engages Death Star mode this weekend. And that's what I was talking about last week. And to, and to your point, Spencer, I think they engaged Death, Death Star mode last week. I think, and also, here's a couple things. Spencer, they got ranked number two this week. Kirby Smart is the greatest motivator of a coach I, I maybe have ever seen. He, had, he legitimately had players on his Georgia team thinking they were going to go 7-5 last year. That's absurd, first of all. No one thought that. No one said that. But he had his players believing that. What do you think he's going to do when they rank them number two under an Ohio State team that they beat last year? Like who doesn't have, who doesn't have some of the star receivers and the star quarterback anymore? Absolutely. And again, going back to Missouri, has only played two true road games before today. And, and Athens. Uh, yeah, dogs, dogs, big. Name the number. I don't care. 
I, I think, I think George, I think like, I don't, you know, I, I don't curse and we don't curse on this podcast, but I think Kirby's on an FU tour. Over you kiss the your three. children with that mouth. <laughs> I do. I think the next three weeks, that's what Kirby, that's the mode that Kirby's in. I really okay. do. Now. All right. Now, Potty but, here, but we have to play, we have to play the game, Spencer. I will say this is how you beat them. Georgia, Georgia is a little susceptible to the run. If you're able to, if you're able to get, get, uh, you know, uh, uh, up the middle specifically, if you're able to, because they've been playing a little undisciplined on the outsides, the Florida game, they did not. The, I mean, shoot, the bye week may have fixed any concern I have with, with this team. I don't know, but they have been susceptible to, to the run Florida. We talked about this last uh, on the pre on the review podcast, Florida actually had some successful runs. They just got away from it. And if they're able to balance, be balanced, they could they could cause some trouble along with the fact that Missouri does on the defensive side of the ball they they really like to get after the quarterback with their defense their athletic defensive ends. Carson Beck has been again we keep saying it he he's the best kept secret secret in college football because he's playing so well he's so smart with the football and he's only been sacked I think three times this year. But the way Missouri does it. Is getting after the quarterback with their athletic defensive ends, and they keep a very balanced attack of running and getting Luther Bird in the ball. So there you go. Yeah, I also think Missouri has done a pretty good job against the ground attack for the most part this year. Yeah, they've they, Georgia they're has, not great against Georgia, the pass. Yeah, yeah, George has not been spectacular all year long on the ground. Although I think they're getting, getting better, healthier, which has been yep. cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yep. And I don't think they've ever been bad, and I don't think they've ever been as, as you know, struggle on the ground as some people have made it out to be. But it's not been their m- most potent aspect of their offense. And if Missouri's able to find some stoppage there and get their ground game going, yeah, absolutely, they could they could make this a ball game. I would not be surprised if this is close at halftime. My no yeah, stretch. Same. Same, same. As uh, much as I think the lean is Georgia, mm-hmm. and it's dogs, I, I don't, I don't. Uh, that's no disrespect <coughs> to Missouri. Also, you know, you again. I'll just never, I'll never forget you saying this last year, man. As we were heading into the home stretch of these games last year, specifically the Tennessee game, you you kept saying like why we were why we picked Georgia against Tennessee because you said Georgia's finally getting what Robbie healthy. Mm-hmm. They're getting healthy. And that is what this Georgia team is doing now, man. And you've got you've got off elite offensive linemen who are ready to play this week. You've got a Roger Robinson who was ready to go last week, but they gave him another week to rest. So right now, again, Spencer, just like I said last week against Florida, you've got a healthy Dejon Edwards, a healthy Kendall Milton, and now a healthy Roger Robinson, the freshman. I I just man, I'm I'm just I feel good about this game. Next week, next next week we'll talk. We'll we'll talk about how confident I am next week. But right now, I'm very confident that Georgia should win this game. Also, me as Domin- well. Also, kind of hey, do- quiet Dominic Lovett. Kind of hey, having a maybe try to get him a few more catches against his old team. Oh you yeah, know? there you go. I could just see Kirby, you know, Kirby and and Mike Bobo doing that a little bit. Oh so, yeah, for sure. All right, Robbo, anything else? No, man, I'm spent. I'm ready to go to sleep. It's, it's going right, to be I a great have weekend. A couple other things here. Go Not ahead. anything flamboyant. Number 19 US, uh, UCLA and 5-3 mm-hmm. and three Arizona this weekend. Pac-12 after dark, 10-30. Uh, you mentioned the Oregon State-Colorado game. There is also going to be a 5-3 and three Matchup BYU and West Virginia at seven o'clock on Fox. I, I, I cannot number wait for that twenty-one game. Kansas and five and three Iowa State could be interesting. Iowa State quietly improving themselves. They're a two and a half game, uh, two and a half point favorite in that ball game uh, there that evening. You also are looking at six and two Georgia Southern, five and three Texas State uh, on in uh, the evening. A uh, couple other games here. Eight and zero James Madison, six and two Georgia State. Also on the night, 
Somebody's trying you. to get bowl eligible. Maryland five and three, and eleventh yep. ranked Penn State seven and one. I Go got ahead. another one for you. Nebraska. Nebraska is going for bowl eligibility this weekend too against yep. against the perennial powerhouse Michigan State. And I, I okay, I'll throw this game at you, and then or I got two games to throw at you, and then you can throw back what you want. Just to, just keep an eye on it. Ohio State at six and two Rutgers. Mm-hmm. Just, 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 I'm not, I'm not saying twelve o'clock game, but I, I, CBS. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, but I'm not saying. You know what I'm saying, Spencer? <laughs> I see what you're saying. All right, all right. And then the other game, Arkansas at Florida, only Ooh. a four and a half Ooh. point spread. Noon kickoff. You just had your soul taken by the Georgia Bulldogs. How do you respond against a scrappy Arkansas team that looking to f- who just fired their OC? So, just I don't know. I'm not saying. Just saying. Yes, there is a new OC in uh, in Fayetteville, uh, Miami, and NC State five and three. NC State six and two. Miami. That's going to be eight o'clock on the ACC network. A five point spread for Miami. And uh, Virginia Tech's been winning a little bit lately. They're four and four, thir- number thirteen. Louisville seven and one, nine and a half point favorite for Louisville in that game. Could be interesting. Uh, could be interesting there. I think that's the last of it of the other games that I thought were uh, kind of important for the weekend or interesting for the weekend. Yeah, that's it. Okay, Spencer. All right, be sure. What's that? I just was gonna say, I love you. I love you too, buddy. Uh, Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe. Two friends, one love, and that is college football. We'll catch you on the flip-flop. Later. Later.